0: So, you know, I try to make it difficult periodically. Hey, we're so glad you're here. My name's Weston. Um, if you're visiting, we're delighted to have you. Next week, we're starting a new series uh, based on Erwin McManus's book uh, called The Artisan's Soul. Uh, it is going to be a really great study. I think you're going to enjoy it. Um, if you're in a community group, uh, that's what you're going to be discussing uh, there's a book that goes along with it, obviously titled Artisan Soul, um, and it's a good read. It's a short read, um, and what it's about is just sort of crafting your life into a masterpiece and doing that in cooperation with God, and uh, Erwin McManus, one of the things I love about him and his his writing and his teaching is he he gets at this truth that inside of each Human, there is this desire to create. Even if you don't think of yourself as a creative person, there is this giftedness in us as we work to create our future. And um, he he does a great job sort of kind of boiling all that down, uh, helping us to recover some things maybe that we've lost along the way in terms of of some vitality in our creative spirit. And I think you're really going to like this. So I would encourage you to come join us next week uh, as we start that series and make a point to be here with us through the eight weeks of that series. Uh, Today we're wrapping up our series titled Focus, uh, where we've been looking at different habits and uh, reactions that people have to Jesus that really take our focus away from him and keep us from living our our best lives. So just to recap, uh, so far in this story, and we've been looking at just John 9, at all of the different reactions people had to Jesus, and this is probably more than I want to pay to replace, so we're going to move it over here. Um, so we've got the Pharisees. Uh, they respond to Jesus' uh, divine power by becoming defensive. Y'all just start praying for me right now. I can feel it. I feel it's one of those days. Uh, By being defensive, uh, God breaks through in this moment and heals this man who's born blind. And instead of saying, my goodness, we should pay attention, something special is happening. God is doing something unique. They build a wall and they say, you can't tell us what's going on. and, And that's not how God works. And that's not what's going to happen. And they become defensive like many of us do. And so we see that for defensive people, their reward is condemnation. Uh, Jesus looks at the Pharisees and he says, listen, uh, if you would admit that you can't see, I could help you. Jesus throughout the gospel says, I have come for the sick. And if you're not sick, Jesus didn't come for you. That's just reality. And Jesus says, listen, I've got nothing for you. I've got no help for you. You've then got the disciples. They're distracted. They've got all these preconceived ideas about who God is, what he's doing. They're they're worried about stuff that isn't important. Does that sound like anybody you might know? And they have to get their attention. Jesus kind of has to correct them and say, hey, pay attention. This is what's important. Uh, Last week, we looked at the blind man's parents. They were afraid. Living in fear does not bring us our best life. And because they were afraid of the Pharisees, they were unable to celebrate with their son at this moment of healing, at, at a life-changing moment. They could not celebrate with him. And so I'm confident that they left that day going, man, I wish I had done something different. They, they lived their life with regret. Today, we're going to look at the blind man. Uh, his response is he surrendered to Jesus. And, you know, spoiler alert, he gets healing. That's what we've been talking about, is this healing that he gets. But what I want to s- explore this morning is what is this, this response of surrender? What, what is it that, that's so vital for us today to grab a hold of? So let's, let's catch up with the story here if you're, you're new with us. Here we go. John 9, it says, as he went along, this is Jesus. He saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? That's what they're convinced happened. And Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Just, you know, I love this because the disciples see a problem. Jesus sees a possibility. The disciples see sinfulness. Jesus sees an opportunity for grace. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, yeah, it's kind of gross, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, this word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Now, I want us to to really grab a hold of this and put ourselves in the blind man's sandals and, and really think through this. It is his surrender that unlocks the power of God. Now, if you've been in church for a while, you probably expected me to say faith. And that's okay, because surrender is an expression of faith. That's what we're talking about. Surrender is an expression of faith. Now, we make a lot about faith in the church. And the reason I want to use this word surrender is because I don't think we frequently understand that surrender is the same as faith. And as a matter of fact, it might even be the purest form of it. Let me illustrate what I mean with a story, an encounter we have in the Gospels. Uh, Jesus comes walking to the disciples in the middle of a storm on water. And so the disciples are out, it's late, they're rowing, they're trying not to drown. And here comes Jesus walking on the water to them. And in that moment, they're terrified. But Peter says, hey, Jesus, if it's really you, call out to me and let me walk on the water to you. And Jesus says, come on. And so Peter steps out of the boat, starts to walk. And as he gets a little bit closer to Jesus, he pays attention to the waves and the storm and he starts to sink. And in that moment, he cries out. He says, Jesus, help me. Lord, help me. That's his prayer in that moment. Now, if we were to sort of pause and sort of do little focus groups and say, where did we see faith at work in this story? We would all say, well, when Peter was like, hey, call to me, let me come out. And when Peter put his, you know, swung his legs outside the boat and started walking on the water, we'd say, man, that was an act of faith. And it's true, it is. But there is a second act of faith. It's when he's sinking Instead of trying to, you know, scramble back to the boat, instead of trying to run, you know, back, you know, across the water, he, he stops in that moment as he's getting ready to sink and to drown in the storm, and he says, Jesus, help me. That also is an act of faith. Because he realizes in that moment that there's only one person who can save him, and that's Jesus. And so really, in an act of surrender... There's not a lot of options in this moment. I recognize that. But that's what surrender often is. It's in that moment where you just, you say, God, I, I got nothing left. Help me. That's the moment of surrender. And I think we often think of faith of, as like walking on water, when in reality, faith often looks like just trying to keep our heads above it. And that's where this blind man is. He's in this place where he is in darkness, he is there, and he is, doesn't have a lot of options. Now, I don't know if you've had that type of experience of surrender. I suspect you probably have. And I want to say this, that it's in those moments, I think, that we have faith, maybe because we have to have faith. It's the faith of a prayer in the hospital, perhaps, where you simply say, God, I'll leave this to you. You've done everything you can. The doctors have done everything that they can. And, you know, you're saying, Lord, I'm just leaving this to you. You alone can heal. Uh, We're getting to that season where parents are sending kids off to school. They're sending them, you know, off to college or just, you know, to school, you know, here in town. And you've got to leave them out for a while. And you think to yourself, my my goodness, Lord, would you be with my kids? I, I can't be there with them. And in that moment of necessity, we find ourselves surrendered to God. Friends, that's a prayer of faith. I think we see that in Mary, in the Gospels, as she prays to the Lord as after he's, she's been revealed through the angel that, that Jesus is going to come through her. And she says, may it be to me, as you have said, it is a prayer of surrender. It is a prayer of faith. And, and the blind man here, he finds himself in this spot. I mean, as we've talked about before, I think that this is probably not the first time somebody's tried to heal him. There, there were messiahs and healers and wonder workers all over Jerusalem and Judea at this point in time there were people who were there and some people camped out around another pool in Jerusalem they were trying to jump in there and and get healed when the water started to bubble. And, And I mean, there's all sorts of weird things that people were doing. And I suspect that this man had probably tried most of those things. He'd probably been to doctors. He'd probably, you know, taken the ointment. He'd probably got that essential oil kit that he was supposed to get, you know, and rubbed it on with the roller or whatever. And it didn't work either. And now he's just sort of resigned. And here he finds himself in this place. Now, here's the thing. We don't know that he is aware that Jesus is there. This is an interesting miracle because he doesn't even ask to be healed. He doesn't ask to be healed. He doesn't invite it. He doesn't, you know, seem to be clamoring for Jesus. It might even be that he's not aware that Jesus is there in front of him. Now, I suspect he is because the disciples are talking to him. Jesus wasn't going anywhere at this point in time without an entourage. And so in that moment, I think he probably had heard some buzz. He probably heard about this guy named Jesus, and he probably knew maybe he's here in this moment. And yet, you know, it seems from the other interaction that he doesn't have a lot of awareness of him. So in this moment, Jesus comes, and all of a sudden, he hears a... And then, you know, he feels something wet and gross getting put on his eyes. And what happens next? Well, Maybe the better question is, what would you do next if you're sitting there and somebody put spit mud on your eyes? I mean, really, this guy's a human being. He's got normal thoughts and feelings. Is he kind of going, oh, thank you. That was kind. Or or is he going, who is this guy? And then he's thinking to himself, maybe it's another healer. Uh, I mean, who knows? But whatever it is, you know, it doesn't seem that he's like, oh, thank you for putting spit mud on my face. But he is at least surrendered. I know that because he does what Jesus asked him to. He doesn't just go to the nearest you know, pot of water. He doesn't just go to the nearest you know, fountain or, or, or you know, reservoir there in Jerusalem. He goes to specifically where Jesus tells him to go. Jesus says, go and wash in this, this pool. And that's where he goes. And this man, in an act of surrender, you know, it could be that all that's going through his mind is, you know what, it couldn't hurt. That, that could be the internal monologue of this blind man. It couldn't hurt. He might be going, man, today's the day I'm going to see. I kind of doubt that, but maybe that's his internal monologue. I suspect it's more of, you know what? We'll give it a shot. We'll try. I've heard about Jesus. I'm going to allow him to at least have an opportunity to do something in my life. Friends, that's surrender. I know it doesn't sound glamorous, I know it doesn't sound, you know, like the kind of faith that gets you to walk on water, but it's the kind of faith that intersects our life with God and brings about amazing things. You see, when we come to a place of God in surrender, and we come to before Him and we ask for things with that amount of faith, just that little bit, Jesus called it mustard seed faith. He said that's all it took to unlock the exponential power of God in our lives, and it's here that this man experiences healing and a firestorm of criticism. Let's, let's pick up the story. It says his neighbors and those who'd formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him, but he himself insisted, I am the man. And so they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he'd received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others said, well, how can a sinner perform such signs? And so they were divided. They turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And the man replied, he's a prophet. You see, it's here in this moment that we see this guy doesn't fully understand who Jesus is. He just knows that there's something special about him. The second time, they summoned the man who'd been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth. We know this man's a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know is I was blind, but now I see. And then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And this is my favorite part. He answered, I've told you already, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? To this replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. So this man's faith or his surrender has taken him from a place of being blind to now being able to see and now being kicked out of the synagogue. Sometimes that's what happens. Here's the thing with surrender. In surrender, what we really mean is that we're going to hand it all over to God. This man is totally sold out to Jesus at this point. I don't know if you caught that, but if you've been with us through the week, you know that his parents, they're not willing to stick their necks out for Jesus This man, however, he's going to go to the carpet and say, listen, this man healed me. There is something special about him. He's totally surrendered in this moment. He is completely sold out to Jesus Christ. He doesn't have it all figured out. He doesn't have his Christology and his theology ironed out. He just knows that Jesus has done something amazing and he gives him glory. And so what does he do? He gives up his place in society. He gives up his place in the synagogue because he wants to hold on to Jesus. That's what this man does. He says, I refuse to surrender anything if it means having to let go of Jesus. I want to hold on to him and give up everything else. That's what surrender means. This story reminds me of another one from the Old Testament about a guy by the name of Naaman. He's not one of God's people in Israel. He hears about this prophet named Elisha. And he goes to Elisha to receive healing. Except when he gets to Elisha, he doesn't do for him what he thinks he should. And so Naaman's kind of upset about this thing because Elijah simply tells him, well, let's look at this story here. It says, Elijah says, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. That's that's all Naaman has to do. But Naaman is, a, is an important guy, and it says he goes away angry. I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of his Lord, his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. And then he throws a little shade on the Jordan River. He says, are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? And I know we're all going, totally, they're totally better. I mean, we all want to go to Abana and Farpar. Um, couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? And so he turned and went off in a rage. Uh, this I think provides a little bit of a foil to our blind man in John because all Naaman has to do is go dip seven times in the Jordan nobody spit on his face nobody's put mud there all he's got to do is go dip seven times in the Jordan River and he is put out by this and he's about ready to turn the, the chariot wagon around and head back you know, to Farpar, Abana and that's where he's going to go but his, his, uh, his servants catch him they say listen my father if the prophet told you to do something great would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed. You see, they're challenging Naaman here to have a little bit of surrender. To say, listen, put aside your pride, put aside your preconceived ideas, put aside your fear of being, you know, foolish, put aside, you know, all of your defense, you know, where you're saying it should be done on your terms, your way, and just take God at his word. That's what surrender is. Give it a shot. Try it out. See what happens. You see, if you're going to grab hold of God with both hands, it means you've got to let go of everything else. That's what Naaman does. It says he went down, dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. And then Naaman and all of his servants go back and they celebrate this. You see, surrender means handing it all over to God, which is why I think surrender is maybe the purest form of faith. We're not holding on to anything else in that moment, just God. So, back to the blind man. He gets kicked out of the synagogue... He's put out of his community. That's what that really means. He's not able to associate with the people he used to associate with. Up to this point, he's been begging. So he doesn't have a job. And so he's jobless. He's communityless. His parents have kind of, you know, they're ambivalent about him at this point. So he's not really sure that he's got family. The only thing he's got is Jesus. And I wonder if you've ever been there in a place in your life where all you had was Jesus. If so, then here's what you know You know that in surrender you find that Jesus is enough That's all you need Now, I've said this before, but it's true Your emptiness, your brokenness, your sinfulness That's what attracts Jesus to you The Pharisees couldn't admit that they had that Which is why Jesus couldn't help them If you've got it all together Man, what do you need God for? If you've got too much going on like the disciples, you're probably going to miss it. If you're afraid to come close to Jesus and give your life to him, then you're going to regret missing out on him. You see, Jesus has more he wants to do in our lives, and he's got more he wants to do in the life of this blind man. John 9 says this. It says, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the blind man says, Who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Let's, let's think about this for a second. He's not actually seen Jesus' face at this point, but I suspect he's got his voice imprinted on his mind. And so here comes Jesus. He says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And this guy, at this point, he's lost his family. He's lost you know, the job kind of thing that he had. He's lost his place in community. And so when Jesus says, do you believe? He says, you just tell me and I will believe. Jesus says, you've seen him. In fact, he's speaking to you now. And then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. It's right here in this moment that we see Jesus receiving worship because he knows who he is. He's God. He's created this man. He loves him, and he's saved him. Now, if you've decided that all you need in your life is Jesus, you're in a really good place because it's in this moment that you're going to find out that God has been looking for you this whole time. If anybody has an air horn, that would be an excellent opportunity for you to just let that go. We've not had the projector fireworks outside. Air horn in here. But if you decide that Jesus is the only thing you need, then this is when you realize that he's already been looking for you. Jesus heals the blind man twice. Once he heals him of physical blindness, the second time he heals him of spiritual blindness. But in each instance, note that Jesus is looking for the blind man before the blind man is looking for Jesus. Friends, God is looking for you before you even start looking for him. This man had not seen Jesus, but I guarantee you that at this moment, he remembered his voice And he'll never forget his face. Listen, I know we come to church and we all kind of, you know, we we try to look reasonable and like to have our lives put together. And when people ask us what we're doing, we, you know, we often say we're fine. But the truth is we're often so much worse than we're just willing to admit. We don't admit it to ourselves. We don't admit it to God. We don't admit it to each other. And so this morning, as we come to this time of decision, here's what I would say is let's be honest with ourselves. And let's be honest to God about what's our heart really like? What shape is our soul really in? Let's be honest. I don't know what it is, but inside of us, there's this desire, I think, to be stronger and appear, you know, better off than, than we really are. Some of you might remember a couple months ago, I, I had uh, the disease that shall not be named. And I was laying in bed, ill, not feeling good. And Jenny was, had quarantined me into a, a, another room in the house, which was a good move. And Somehow she's the only one that's not got it. And um, she said, do you need anything? I said, yeah, I need some water. How are you feeling? I feel fine. You know, feeling okay. And so she got water and she put it like on the far dresser, like close to the door, away from the bed. And I was like, yeah, I'll get that in a second. The way she tells the story is she came by about an hour later and it was still there. Uh, the way I remember the story is she put the water there and I said, that was, that's good. Thank you. And then I remember thinking, it's just, it's so much work to get out of bed to, for just like one thing. I'm gonna wait until I also have to go to the bathroom. That way, I can like do two, get two for one, on the trip to the dresser. Cause it just seems like a good economy of strength. It's pitiful. It's really sad. Um, I've talked to a few others who've had it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm. Yeah, you're, you're there with me. I get it. But I think that's how we are often in our souls. Like we're like, oh, I'm fine. I don't, need, I don't need anything else. I don't need more prayer. I don't need faith. I don't need community. I don't need to be involved in worship. You know, I, I get what I need, you know, on my own. But in reality, that's how weak we are. That's how sick we are. And it's time we just came clean about it and said, God, I need you. I need your help. So as the worship team comes out, I've got a, a challenge for you. If you are new To faith and or maybe you've been in faith for a while but the the point is you know jesus if you know jesus and you're saying to yourself you know what i haven't come clean with him about my my condition as we sing this song why don't you just tell him about that tell him what's on your heart tell him where you're struggling maybe you need to come up and and put your hands in the baptism. just remind yourself that he's there for you Others of you, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe because you're defensive like the Pharisees and you say, man, you know, I don't want to really admit that I don't have it together. Or maybe you're like the disciples. You're just too distracted. You've got too much else going on in your life. Or maybe you're like the blind man's parents. You're afraid. Here's the thing. Each of those people did not receive God's power. The only person that did was the one who was surrendered to him. So this morning, perhaps it's time for you to surrender your lives to him. If that's you the person that brought you could talk with you about what that would mean to do. If, if you're wanting to talk with me, I'm gonna be just sitting up here as we sing. I'd love to talk with you about what it means for you to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Because let me tell you, it, it, living in fear, living as defensive, living distracted, it, it just leaves you right where you are. And you're gonna be stuck in that same place. And, and in a week, in a month, in a year, you're gonna go, man, there's nothing different in my life.